Sermons 29 and 33, Commentary in the Gospel of Luke, Sermons 27 through 38, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by R. Payne Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sermon 29, Explanation of What is Below, from the Syriac. 6.24. Woe unto you, rich, for ye have received your consolation. This, too, we must discuss among ourselves, for is it the case that every one who is rich and possesses abundant wealth is determinately cut off from the expectation of God's grace? Is he entirely shut out from the hope of the saints? Has he neither inheritance nor part with them that are crowned? Not so, we say, but rather on the contrary, that the rich man might have shown mercy on Lazarus, and so have been made partaker of his consolation. For the Saviour pointed out a way of salvation to those who possess earthly wealth, saying, Make unto yourselves friends of the unrighteous mammon, that when ye depart this life they may receive you into their tents. Love Your Enemies the blessed Paul speaks the truth where he says that if any one be in Christ, he is a new creation, for all things have become new, both in him and by him, both covenant and law and mode of life. But look closely and see how thoroughly the mode of life here described becomes those holy teachers who were about to proclaim the message of salvation to every quarter of the world and yet from this very fact they must expect that their persecutors would be beyond numbering, and that they would plot against them in many different ways, if then the result had been that the disciples had become indignant at these vexations, and wished for vengeance on those that annoyed them. They would have kept silence and passed them by, no longer offering them the divine message, nor calling them to the knowledge of the truth. It was necessary, therefore, to restrain the mind of the holy teachers by so solemn a sense of the duty of patience as to make them bear with fortitude whatever might befall, even though men insulted them, yea, and plotted against them impiously. And such was the conduct of Christ himself above all others for our example. For while still hanging upon the precious cross, with the Jewish populace making him their sport, he put up unto God the Father prayers in their behalf, saying, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yea, and the blessed Stephen too, while the stones were smiting him, knelt down and prayed, saying, Lord, lay not this sin upon them. And the blessed Paul also says, Being reproached, we bless. Being reviled, we entreat. The exhortation of our Lord, therefore, was necessary for the holy apostles, and most useful for us also, to oblige us to live rightly and admirably, for it is full of all philosophy. But our mistaken preconceived ideas and the fierce tyranny of our passions render it a thing difficult for our minds to accomplish, 
and therefore knowing that the natural man does not admit of these things, regarding as folly and mere impossibilities the oracles of the Spirit, he separates such from those able to hear, and says, I speak unto you that hear, and are prepared readily to perform my words. For the gloriousness of spiritual fortitude is displayed in temptations and labors. Imitate, therefore, in these things Christ, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, suffering he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. But perhaps thou wilt object, saying within thyself, Christ was God, but I a frail man, having but a feeble mind, and one unable to resist the attack of covetousness and pain. Thou speakest rightly, for the mind of man easily slides into wrongdoing. Nevertheless, I say, the Lord hast not left thee destitute of his compassion and love. Thou hast him by thee, yea, within thee, by the Holy Ghost. For we are his abode, and he lodgeth in the souls of them that love him. He gives thee strength to bear nobly whatever befalls, and to resist manfully the attacks of temptations. Be not overcome therefore by the evil, but overcome the evil in the good. 6.29. To him that striketh thee on the cheek, offer also the other. That Christ is the end of the law and the prophets is declared by the most wise Paul. For the law served as a schoolmaster to guide men unto his mystery. But now that faith has come, as the blessed Paul has again himself said, we are no longer under a guide, for no longer are we children in mind, but, on the contrary, have grown up to the perfect man, to the measure of the mature age of the fullness of Christ. We do not, therefore, require milk, but rather food of a more solid nature, such as Christ bestows upon us, by setting before us the pathway of that righteousness which surpasses the power of the law, for he said himself to the holy apostles, Verily I say unto you, Except your righteousness be over and above, more than of the scribes and Pharisees, ye cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. This, then, it is necessary to discuss. What, namely, is meant by the over and above in the righteousness in accordance with the saving message of the gospel? The law spoken by Moses to them of old time enacted like for like, and while it forbade the doing a wrong, it by no means commanded those who had already been injured to bear patiently, as the gospel law requires. For it says, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not forswear thyself. But to this is added, eye for eye, hand for hand, foot for foot, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Such an enactment required a man not to injure others, 
and supposing him to have sustained an injury that his anger at the wrong-doer must not go beyond an equal retribution but the general bearing of the legal mode of life was by no means pleasing to god it was even given to those of old time as a schoolmaster accustoming them by little and little to a fitting righteousness and leading them on gently to the possession of the perfect good for it is written to do what is just is the beginning of the good way but finally all perfection is in christ and his precepts for to him that striketh thee he saith on the cheek offer also the other in this there is pointed out to us the pathway to the highest degree of patience but he wills besides that we pay no regard to riches so that even if a man have but one outer garment he must not count it a thing unendurable to put off with it also his undergarment if it so befall but this is a virtue possible only for a mind entirely turned away from covetousness for do not he says ask back whatever any one taketh away that is thine but even give to every one that asketh of thee a proof indeed of love and willingness to be poor and the compassionate man must necessarily also be ready to forgive so as to show friendly acts even to his enemies 631 as ye wish that men should do unto you even so do ye unto them it was probable however that the holy apostles would perchance think these things difficult to put into practice he therefore who knoweth all things takes the natural law of self-love as the arbiter of what any one would wish to obtain from another show thyself he says to others such as thou wishest them to be towards thee if thou wouldst have them harsh and unfeeling fierce and wrathful revengeful and ill-disposed show thyself also such but if on the contrary thou wouldst have them kind and forgiving do not think it a thing intolerable to be thyself so and in the case of those so disposed the law is perchance unnecessary because god writes upon our hearts the knowledge of his will for in those days saith the lord i will surely give my laws into their mind and will write them on their heart 636 be ye therefore merciful great is the glory of compassion and so verily it is written that man is a great thing and the merciful man an honourable thing for virtue restores us to the form of god and imprints on our souls certain characters as it were of the supreme nature 637 judge not and ye shall not be judged he cuts away from our minds a very unmanageable passion the commencement and begetter of pride for while it is men's duty to examine themselves and to order their conduct according to god's will they leave this alone to busy themselves with the affairs of others and if they see any infirm 
forgetting as it seems their own frailties, they make it an excuse for fault-finding, and a handle for calumny. For they condemn them, not knowing that being equally afflicted with the same infirmities as those whom they censure, they condemn themselves. For so also the most wise Paul writes, For wherein thou judgest the other, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. And yet it were rather our duty to have compassion on the infirm, as those who have been overcome by the assaults of the passions, and entangled without hope of escape in the meshes of sin, and to pray in their behalf, and exhort them, and rouse them up unto soberness, and endeavor ourselves not to fall into similar faults. For he that judgeth the brother, as the disciple of Christ saith, speaketh against the law, and judgeth the law, for the lawgiver and judge as one. For the judge of the sinning soul must be higher than that soul. But since thou art not so, the sinner will object to thee as judge. Why judgest thou thy neighbor? But if thou venture to condemn him, having no authority thereto, it is thyself rather that will be condemned, inasmuch as the law permits thee not to judge others. Whoever, therefore, is guided by good sense does not look at the sins of others, nor busies himself about the faults of his neighbor, but closely scans his own misdoings. Such was the blessed psalmist falling down before God, and saying on account of his own offenses, If thou, O Lord, O Lord, closely regardest iniquities, who can endure? And once again, putting forward the infirmity of human nature as an excuse, he supplicates for a not unreasonable pardon, saying, Remember that we are earth. 6.39 And he spake a parable unto them. This parable he added as a most necessary appendage to what had been said. The blessed disciples were about to be the initiators and teachers of the world. It was necessary for them, therefore, to prove themselves possessed of everything requisite for piety. They must know the pathway of the evangelic mode of life, and be workmen ready for every good work and able to bestow upon well-instructed hearers such correct and saving teaching as exactly represents the truth. This they must do, as having already first received their sight, and a mind illuminated with the divine light, lest they should be blind leaders of the blind. For it is not possible for men enveloped in the darkness of ignorance to guide those who are afflicted in the same way into the knowledge of the truth. For should they attempt it, they will both roll into the ditch of licentiousness. Next, overthrowing the vaunting passion of boastfulness to which most men give way, that they may not emulously strive to surpass their teachers in honor, he added, the disciple is not above his teacher. 
and even if some make such progress as to attain to a virtue that rivals that of their teachers they will range themselves no higher than their level and be their imitators and paul shall again be our warrant saying be ye imitators of me as i also am of christ since therefore the teacher as yet judgeth not why judgeth thou for he came not to judge the world but to show pity and according to the foregoing explanation if i he says judge not neither must you the disciple but if thou art guilty of worse crimes than those for which thou judgest another how canst thou keep thyself from shame when thou art convicted of it and this the lord made plain by another parable sermon thirty three from the syriac six forty one and why saith he beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye having previously shown us that the judging others is utterly wicked and dangerous and the cause of final condemnation for judge not he said and ye shall not be judged and condemn not and ye shall not be condemned he now by conclusive arguments persuades us to avoid the very wish of judging others and rather to examine our own hearts and try to free them from the passions that dwell within them and their frailties by asking it of god for he it is who healeth the broken in heart and freeth us from the maladies of the soul for if thou he says art thyself sick with maladies more dangerous and severe than those of others why neglecting thy own dost thou find fault with them and whilst thou hast a beam in thine own eye commencest a hot accusation against those who have a mote tell me by what boldness doest thou this deliver thyself first from thy great crimes and thy rebellious passions and then thou mayest set him right who is guilty of but trifling faults wouldst thou see the matter clearly and plainly and that it is a very hateful thing for men to give way to this feeling our lord was once walking on the sabbath day among the cornfields and the blessed disciples plucked some ears and rubbing them in their hands ate the grains but some pharisees drew near and say behold thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on sabbath days and yet they themselves in manifold ways were guilty of disregarding the law altogether for even the prophet isaiah cried out against them saying how has the faithful city zion become a harlot it was full of judgment righteousness lodged in it but now murderers your silver is reprobate thy merchants mix the wine with water thy princes are contentious the partners of thieves loving bribes pursuing after recompense they judge not the orphans and to the widow's suit they have no regard 
yet these very men themselves liable to these most severe reproaches accused the disciples of breaking the sabbath but they met with just rebuke from christ who said unto them woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites who tithe mint and cumin and have neglected the weighty matters of the law judgment and mercy and faith and again ye are they who strain out a gnat but gulp down a camel for while their teaching was of mere trifles and they condemned the people under them for the most contemptible matters they had the hardihood as i said to treat as of no consequence those weighty crimes for this reason the saviour called them whitened sepulchres which outside appear indeed to men to be beautiful but inside are full of the bones of the dead and of all uncleanness and such is every hypocrite and whenever they would cast an imputation upon others who have yielded to infirmity in any particular deservedly will they have it said to them first cast out the beam from thine own eye and then thou wilt see to cast out the mote from thy brother's eye the commandment therefore is indispensable for every one who would live piously but above all for those who have been entrusted with the instruction of others for if they are good and sober-minded and enamoured of the elect life and not merely acquainted with but also practisers of virtuous arts and setting in their own conduct the pattern of a holy life they can with open countenance rebuke those who will not do the same for not having imitated their example nor imprinted their virtuous manners on themselves but if they are careless and quickly snared by pleasures to do evil how can they blame others when similarly affected wisely therefore did the blessed disciples write saying let there not be many teachers among you my brethren for ye know that we shall receive greater condemnation for as christ who is the distributor of the crowns and the punisher of those who do wrong himself says he who shall do and teach shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven but he who hath not done but hath taught shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven but i can imagine some one saying how are we to distinguish the man who has a beam in his eye but finds fault with those who have a moat and are infirm only in part but there is nothing difficult in this he says for any one who will may see it easily for it is not a good tree that brings forth evil fruit nor an evil tree that brings forth good fruit for every tree is known by its fruit each man's actual life therefore is that which decides what are his morals for it is not by mere outside adornments and fictitious virtues that the beauty of the truly honourable life is delineated but by the deeds a man does 
for they are the fruits of a mind that for the love of piety chooses a blameless life. It is by deeds, therefore, and not by outside show, that we must see who is the man truly approved, and who is not so. Again, Christ somewhere says, Beware of those who come to you in the likeness of sheep, but within are ravenous wolves. See again, Christ commands that those who come unto us must be distinguished not by their clothing, but by what they really are. For by its fruit, he says, the tree is known. And just as it is ignorance and folly for us to expect to find the choicer kinds of fruit on thorns, grapes, for instance, and figs, so it is ridiculous for us to imagine that we can find in hypocrites and the profane aught that is admirable, the nobleness, I mean, of virtue. Wouldst thou see the truth of this again? Wouldst thou see who the wolves are that clothe themselves in the sheep's skin? Examine the writings of the holy apostles. Hear what they say of certain men. For they who are such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into angels of righteousness. And no wonder, for Satan even transforms himself into an angel of light. It is no great thing, therefore, if his ministers also transform themselves into angels of righteousness. These one may well call thorns and briars. In such there is no particle of sweetness, but every thing that is bitter and of an evil nature. For the fig grows not on thorns, nor will one find anything pleasant in them, for grapes are not produced on briars. We must decide, then, the character of the teacher, not by appearances, but by the acts of each one's life. This is also made clear by another declaration of our Lord. For the good man, he says, as out of a good treasure, poureth forth from the heart good things. But he who is differently disposed, and whose mind is the prey of fraud and wickedness, necessarily brings forth what is concealed deep within. For the things that are in the mind and heart boil over, and are vomited forth by the outflowing stream of speech. The virtuous man, therefore, speaks such things as become his character, while he who is worthless and wicked vomits forth his secret impurity. Everything, therefore, that is to our benefit, Christ teaches us, and requires his disciples to be on their guard against deceit, and vigilant and careful. For this reason he shows them the straight way, and discloses the snares that lead down to wickedness, that thus escaping from offenses, and being steadfast in mind beyond risk of sin, they may quickly reach the mansions that are above by Christ's blessing by whom and with whom to god the father be praise and dominion with the holy ghost for ever and ever amen end of sermon thirty three